Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. To the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I, I've learned that my entire biological clock is to 17 weeks of the NFL season <laughs> and not 18 because I felt like my body just goes, hey, you made it. And then it's like, oh, we still got one more week. We still got an 18th week to go. And then the playoffs. Like, I think since, I mean, honestly, since as long as I can remember, all holidays have revolved around football, everything. It's like 17 yeah. weeks. New Year's weekend, that's that's kind of like when the season ends and we regroup for the playoffs and still got another week. I got to change this at 32 years old. We got a decent week, though. If we were going to yes. have an extra week 17 and this was going to be the first year where week 17 was the penultimate week, it worked out pretty well. We're going to dig into a lot of the AFC playoff picture stuff, also in the NFC, kind of sort through all of the scenarios, talk about the Titans somehow being the number one seed in the AFC right now. Yeah. We're going to talk about... The Giants, very rough day. Dig into everything that happened on Sunday. But I want to start with a fantastic game in Cincinnati. I mean, just everything you could have hoped for when you were coming into that one. I thought that we expected that to be the game of the week. We hoped it would be exciting. And boy, did it deliver. I mean, it delivered even more than you possibly could have hoped. In wrestling, they would call that a Haas fight. That that's what it was. That's what uh, both teams average over seven yards of play, and then neither, off, neither offense had a turnover. Like that's a that's a fun game. Like I, it's like no matter how you don't have to watch a single play, and you're like, oh, that's probably a pretty exciting game. Mahomes averaged three point three five EPA per play, and was the low man on the quarterback <laughs> on the quarterback. The two quarterbacks that played because Burrow, Joe Burrow, averaged point five five EPA per play. And I mean, that's just like. It's ridiculous what these two guys were doing today. I'm, I mean, I don't know where to even start with it. But what do you think just, is ultimately what, what? What do you think ultimately put the Bengals over the top? 
Like, what is the one thing that you feel like won them that game? Beating man coverage uh, was the one good thing. I think really that's it is that when they had to make a play, they made a play. They had, they have the horses to beat man and they have a quarterback that can operate against pressure or if you want to play soft coverage. So now it's pick your poison and hope that you get lucky and hope that your pass rush gets home, which is a scary place to live for defenses. If you don't have the pass rush, then get home with four because watching today and watching what the chiefs, when they try to blitz him, it was like, Whew. It, I mean, you can't, you can't guard chase one-on-one. Like I, I can't believe this. And T Higgins is already tough enough on his own on the outside. And now you have two guys that you literally, it's like, okay, who's, who's the punk at corner. Okay. We're going to find him and go, go, go off on him. It, it was ridiculous. And I mean, all the missed tackles today from the chiefs that stood out big time. Uh, on, they, they really, some of their guys and I love honey badger. I love Tyron Matthews. One of my favorite players in the league, but like watching him to perform today, it was like, it's, it, it's, you see this more in the NBA. You know, some of those older teams that are kind of like, hey, we've been to the playoffs, so we're, we're just getting through the regular season. It kind of – I'm not trying to take away anything for the Bengals. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying it kind of had that feel for some of the, those Chiefs defenders that are like, let's just get let's just get to past week 18. Let's just fast forward to the playoffs because I really don't feel like tackling Jamar Chase. I really don't feel like tackling Joe Mixon. I don't feel like fitting this up. Like that's kind of what it felt like a little bit today. But, I mean, it was a barn burner. I mean, that's the best way to put it. It was two awesome offenses going at it against some defenses that have some leakiness to it. I just thought that the, some of the throws that Burrow made outside the numbers in this game and some of the plays his receivers made on the other That's end of them were insane. wild. I mean, yeah. just high degree of difficulty plays yep. consistently. And, and one thing I really liked about just the overall approach that the Bengals had is that this Chiefs defense likes to dictate the game to you. They mm-hmm. like to take it to you. You know, the, a lot of the cover zero stuff and just the amount of pressure and press man they play on the outside. And the Bengals just didn't even flinch. They yep. took it right back to them. And I feel like some of the shots we saw down the right sideline, whether it was some of the chase plays, which we can talk about in a second, the big one to T. Higgins. I mean, those are plays where you're challenging a team that's playing press man coverage. Yep. And even other spots where there's not these huge plays down the field, but drawing a lot of penalties. Some of them maybe a little bit of ticky-tack. I thought that the refs did help the Bengals out, but all that stuff comes out in the wash. And when you're yeah, playing a team that plays that way defensively, you should play that way. You should try to get some flags because they're going to try to get away with some stuff. So yep. I just thought that the overall physicality that the Bengals receivers played with on the outside, whether it was 50-50 balls, trying to create separation, those little subtle stuff that Jamar Chase did today at the end of plays, the touchdown, just creating that last little bit of separation with that strength. He did it multiple times. Every time he caught a ball on a screen today. Just, it was awesome to watch. He turned two off, plays <laughs> multiple times. He turned two plays that should have been negative plays. Zero yep. yard gains, one yard gains. into like nine, ten yard games. Those, yes. those are some of the most impressive plays he had today. Even yep. the play where he draws what I thought was kind of a nonsense personal foul because he's, you're dra- he's dragging you. You have yeah. to tackle him. Even yep. that play, he catches the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And the physicality, again, stands out where he's like, I'm going to get six, seven yards on this play and ultimately yep. draws a flag because of how much he's forcing the issue. And I love that. I mean, and you saw yeah. that from every single one of those guys today. And we've talked about, we both have talked about with uh, Tyreek Hill, like he'll catch like a little two-yard flat route, turns into 10 because he gets yeah. up field so quick. He squares guys up, gets up field. It's the same family, I guess, but it's like a totally different style how they get there. That That's what Chase can do as well. Wins those 50-50 balls, but then all of a sudden he catches a, well, like you said, those screens that they should go nowhere. 
he's he you can tell defenders don't want to tackle him because he just bounces off guys he's and his body so control and acceleration is insane. crazy his I mean, on that touchdown so it's the first play he makes was 54 overruns him and yeah. that little tiny the first cut he made and then putting his foot in the ground and going that body control pr- plus the acceleration is just rare it's just yeah, a rare combination of athletic traits <laughs> i mean he's just on a different level physically and i d- didn't know that I, I just yeah. did not know he would be this sort of rare, rare physical specimen all of these different ways. And that's what you saw today. I mean, you saw it in so many different ways. I Question for you. That third and 27 with 315 left in the fourth quarter when they – I it's a really rough call by Steve Spagnuolo in that I moment. I know that you live in that world. But on yep. third and 27 with the game hanging in the balance, leaving Ward one-on-one against the guy who's absolutely torched you the entire day with a quarterback who's more than willing and absolutely happy to make that throw when it's one-on-one coverage in that situation, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a tough, tough spot. It really is. I was – I and that's what Spags is. It's, you know, live, to, live by the sword, die by the sword, which is like you – it's commendable. But in one of those situations, like, hey, can't you run one of those bluff calls where you look play like to win the game and run real soft cover two? Like, yeah, it, it's yeah, play to win the game exactly. But it's third and twenty seven. Like his D line's been winning like throughout the game. Burrow Burrow can make like twenty guys miss in a game, which is also ridiculous. Um, but also, he like, also got the, the shit kicked out of him today. He got his name plate torn off. He's limping around the field. I mean, it was. I've never seen. He that. absolutely got beat up today. That line is still a problem, even if they have superheroes on the outside. <laughs> and Burrow too, like making like he's making yeah, guys superheroes miss. at the skill position players. Let's yes, be clear about period. that. Yes, all six of them. Uh, but it's but having like the. I thought it was also just a not seeing what the Bengals have been doing against them. I tweeted this out, but the Bengals have, ever since the Ravens game, I've alluded to this a few times, they've showed a willingness to run seven-man protection, not a full slide, but a true drop-back seven-man protection, which is where the O-line identifies the mic, the four-down lineman, the running back. And so look at it like a split back you'll see this out of. Running back will have the will, 10 DBs on that side. The tight end will be on the other side. He'll be off the ball. And he'll have the Sam. It's the X's on the chalkboard. The Sam linebacker. Tiny DB's on that side. And CJ Uzoma. Is that how you say his name? The tight Uzama. end? Yeah. Uzama has a great play on that because he doesn't, he doesn't get caught just going like, oh, where's the Sam? He realizes that his point is coming on the back side. And that's an adjustment. That's like the advanced level of that protection. You get to that point by running this stuff. And it was really cool because they ran it. And why you run that protection is, yeah, it helps chip help on the outside, which you can also do. But also, if they want to bring pressure and you block it up, it's gash or be gash. It's like, okay, now it's up to the QB and the receiver to execute. And when you have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, okay, yeah, let's block this up <laughs> and let's execute down the field. Because, I mean, this is old school. Uh, I'll allude to what my dad used to do. And that, this is they ran these protections as well. I mean, everyone's run this for years and years and years. But why they did it was Randy Moss. Like, hey, let's yeah. get him one-on-one. You want to pressure us? We'll block it up. And we got the best one-on-one ball winner ever. That's the same type of thinking that you're going with that. So it's like, I don't know. It was Spag should have seen that. They've done it before throughout this game. They've done it throughout the season. And they've showed it in the game. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I won't bring this pressure because they actually know what they're doing. So maybe we'll just play something soft, make them waste their guys. No, they only have three guys truly getting out on routes and they have a couple checkdowns. So it was great execution from the Bengals. It was a good play call and great. I mean, Burrow and Chase are awesome players and that's what they do. Uh, but yeah, I just didn't like that play call from Spags. It was, it was one of those times where it's like, Hey, just don't lean into it so much. It's not third and 12. They're in 27 and you're at mid mid-ish field right there. Even if they check it down to sell probably a 50 yarder, 
not that not so easy in January. What is it? January second in Ohio. <laughs> so the other play I wanted to ask you about was the long Jamar Chase touchdown at the beginning of the second half. You noticed something about how it was kind of a, a little bit of a tweak from Joe Burrow or something he had noticed yeah. from earlier in the game and how he responded to that coverage that the Chiefs used. So what did you see on that play? Yeah, so that is a uh, defense guys might know better, but it's two buster is what I've called it. And it's a variation of cover two. And on that is the corner will carry the outside receiver and look up for any inside outbreakers, uh, outbreakers from the number two spot, I think is the best way to put it. And CJ Uzoma, and I'm going to butcher his name throughout the year, I, I, 87, he got smoked on one near the end of the first half. They caught him. They did exactly what that defense is supposed to do. Ooh, okay, this is cover three. Oh, I'm going to get our quarters. I'm going to hit that outbreaker for a 12-yard gain. Boom, we got a first down. He gets smoked, gets blown up. And I think it was a second and long or a third and long. First third down of the second half, Joe Burrow's very smart. Bengals adjust. They run the same coverage. Sorensen thinks, hey, I don't have to worry about this. We smoked this last time. We're going to catch him again. Sorensen, Daniel Sorensen, number 49 for the Chiefs. His eyes are inside because he's supposed to rally over the top because it's cover two. So what Burrow does, they have the same route. There's an outbreaker from number two spot, a go by Jamar Chase. Which they were doing a lot today, by the way. That Boyd hit one right yep. before the 50-50 ball down the right sideline. It was an outbreaker from the slot. They were attacking that area of the field a lot today. Because that's what, yeah, Spags will get into those kind of too high, like kind of variations where he's that, When you're betting. playing a lot of cover two, and which they do, the Chiefs do yep. a lot of, that's an area of the field that you can theoretically that's, attack. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And and Burrow, though, adjusted. They adjusted coming out of the half. They're like, hey, oh, they're in that coverage again. Boom, doesn't throw the outbreaker and just hits. I mean, Chase is wide open because Sorensen's got to rally to that spot, but he's not ready to rally because they're used to catching teams off this. But we've talked about last week's show. I mean, when uh, I mean, this pro reads the game very well. He doesn't have the greatest arm strength in the world, but doesn't matter because he gets the ball out on time so well and he's so accurate and willing to stand in there and throw these balls. So he just punishes stuff like that. If you're not playing the perfect coverage and executing exactly, he can adjust and you know make you pay. It's one of those games where we wanted to see this as a measuring stick for the Bengals offense because they had not played fantastic against some of the better defenses they played. If you look at the slate, it was the worst group of defenses any offense had played all season, according to Football Outsiders. The Chiefs defense have been playing well. And for them to come in here and just, I mean, to hang it by a thread, right? There's These are high degree of difficulty plays, but that is how this team has been built. Yep. Right, they still can't protect very well. Joe Burrow still getting knocked around a lot, especially when you back up offensive linemen in there. Yep. Which they lose Quentin Spain at some point during this game because the right tackle can't block anybody. It becomes an issue, but that's how well good the skill position players are, and that's how much they can carry you when the quarterback is playing this well. I said last week I felt like he was playing like a top five quarterback, and I thought I might have been getting ahead of myself a little bit when he was torching the Ravens practice squad guys. <laughs> what he did today, he's playing at an extremely high level. So is the quarterback on the other side. Yes. I thought that the Chiefs offense played well, playing the hits in the first half. Yes. They ran that dino route for a touchdown, which yeah. you love. So it's it double awesome. post, and they, the inside guy runs a post. who's Tyreek Hill, so the single high safety shades that way. And then you run him. a little corner post back, and that's yeah. they've run that a million different times in the last couple of years. And then they hit Hardman on Wasp on third and long. Yep. So just a lot of the stuff that we've seen from the Chiefs. And then the, other, the, last, the only thing I wanted to mention there – on that play where they hit Hardman, Joe Tooney is one-on-one against Trey Hendrickson. His play today was admirable. You play yes. left tackle, not thinking you're going to play left tackle. Yep. Lucas Niang played for Orlando Brown, who got hurt in warm-ups. Then Niang yep. gets hurt. They have to bump yep. Tooney out there. 
his position versatility has always been a strength of his. He can play center in a pinch. He can play tackle in a pinch. So I just wanted to talk about how well he played in that spot today, not thinking he was going to play any tackle against a pass rusher who's been very good this very season. Well. Yeah. So, and, and it wasn't like he came in like Orlando Brown's been banged up all week and it's like, hey, you might have to kick out ex- exactly. there. Exactly. Like Cold he, he went out. In and going, Hey, I'm left guard. Hey, uh, hey, I love the battle of the T-Rexes that uh, Thune versus versus <laughs> Hendricks said. Those 32-inch arms were going at it. It, it was a good battle. I, I'm excited to rewatch. I mean, of course, this whole game. But yeah, that's one of the matchups in this game that's going to be fun to watch. Do you want to go over the late game sequence by the Bengals very quickly here? I mean, it's the most <laughs> ridiculous end plays? of game drive you've ever seen. I, I don't know what I would have done in that moment. When they didn't get the first fourth down, I might have kicked the field goal. On the I second fourth down. I think, I, I don't know what the numbers say exactly. I feel like it's kind of a toss. I mean, it worked out perfectly. For the Chiefs, you probably <laughs> want to let them score. Yeah. I mean, I, and then the, the the sneaks, Romo didn't think they were trying to get in, but if you're not trying to get in, shouldn't you just kneel? Kneel. Like, I just, there are a lot of different aspects of that that I thought were very strange. And um, obviously, again, some of the illegal contact, legal hands to the face, but that's yeah. way that's the way the Chiefs play defense. So yep. you're going to run the risk of getting those sorts of plays and they get one at a really inopportune time. It allows the Bengals to click the top, click the clock down and kick the field goal. So I mean, I feel like it was kind of scattershot there at the end, but it's yeah. It was it was like just the stars aligned for them. Like it's just I know that's what's incredible about football. It's just like all these things can happen in this sequence. Like no one could have predicted that. Like not just one penalty. Oh, it was perfect. Off- it was, was offsetting. I know. So it's I didn't like the sneak calls, and trust me, he was trying to score. Like I, I know it just didn't look great, but it was he was driving. He was <laughs> he was pumping those legs trying to get in there, Burrow. Um, but also, yeah, I don't know. It was I think exactly what you just said. How you started when he's if they didn't get didn't get the first fourth down. The second one, I would be like, okay, let's just kick it. Let's just hey, whew. Like, whew, like we, we came out unscathed, but you know, I guess, I guess it's just team of destiny sometimes, man. That's just sometimes how these kind of things break. One other thing I wanted to mention, Romo said something during the broadcast. He said, it only, it feels like the only time that the Bengals punt is when there's a sack. This is something you can look at. So I did. So on drives this year where they're, they do not get sacked, the Bengals score 49.2% of the time, which ranks fourth in the NFL. Good. Yeah. They punt 26% of the time, which ranks eighth in the NFL. They score 2.76 points per drive, which is fifth in the NFL. So you're looking at a top five, mm-hmm. top eight-ish offense on most drive metrics on drives where they do not get sacked. Overall, they're scoring on about, excuse me, on drives where they do get sacked, it's 1.14 points per drive, which ranks 10th. They've punt 50% of the time, which is 16th in the league. They score 22.7% of the time, which is 15th. So it's a real thing. Like when they don't get sacked, they are an elite, elite offense. The problem is they get sacked a lot. I do feel like overall, though, they're kind of figuring themselves out in the sense Mm -hmm. that even if we're not crazy about the pass protection, we need to let this guy sling the ball 45 times a game because that is our best chance to win. And that version of the offense we saw in the middle of the season that slog game they played against the Raiders where they're just trying to run the ball 30 times a game despite their offensive line being bad this version of it where it's burrow chase let's just sling it around the yard and see what happens 
this is the best version of the Bengals. And this is the version we'll probably see for the next 10 years. The other thing I want to look up to is like how much they run the ball in second, like second and four or less, because it's hilarious. It's like, as soon as they get that, like they get a little something on first down, they get to second and short. They're like, okay, we're getting into our run game, under center run game. Let's get the first. Okay. Chuck, 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 pass, pass. Oh, we're in second two. All right. Under center run game. Okay. Get the first, like that. It just seems like they just become a whole new offense based on each situation, which is most offenses, but theirs is just so crazy. I think ever since Shield talked about it on the gambling segment, like after they played the Broncos, I think it was, that's when it kind of like really was like, they really are like siloed and so much stuff. Like it's like, this is our red zone stuff. This is our third and long stuff. This is our third and short stuff. And it works for them. But like you said, it's now they've honed in on it. And think I mean, it's the best time to do it in December or January, as opposed to Hey, we got a good offense in September and you never adjust. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, this they're is their, at the this right is their time. formula. This is their formula and it's working for them. All right. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. I mean, just one of the most bizarre situations you'll ever see on an NFL field. It as soon as he started, let's let me say this. I was not surprised no. when I saw that it had happened, when I started seeing the clips. Certainly not surprised. The what Greg Alman, our reporter from The Athletic, who covers the Bucks said today is that. I guess Bruce, Bruce Arians wanted Antonio Brown to go back in the game. He said his ankle was dinged up. He said, well, then you're done for the day then. And then he started taking off his pads and walking off the field. So if you look at the, the video right here, they were playing on, on the YouTube great. show. Mike Evans, I, I tweeted this, and that's exactly this so what it perfect. felt like. As soon as Mike, as soon as he started taking off those pads, Mike Evans saw the next three days Wait of his life. He's like, all I'm going to have to do is answer questions about this. I Please don't do this. Yes. And there it is. And then it's over. I mean, there there's so much to get to. Uh, let's listen to Bruce Arians talking about what his reaction was after the game when he was asked about this. Um, we want to talk about that last drive, but I have to start with, uh, can you tell us what happened to Antonio Brown? Did he quit? I've never seen a guy leave a field like that. And is this the last strike for him? He is no longer a buck. All right. That's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. So that's all well and good. I understand yeah. that you don't want him on the team anymore. You don't want to talk about him anymore. You brought this upon yourself as a franchise. Yes. Uh, the first time they brought him in and signed him with everything that had gone on and, and everywhere that he had been, the way that it ended with the Raiders, the way that it ended with the Patriots after a sexual assault allegation, all yep. of the reporting that was done around that, bringing him in and then saying, well, he gets one strike and then he... F- applies or files a fake vaccine card a couple months ago. Federal crime. (laughs) Suddenly he's back on the team after a suspension. At a certain point, when you keep putting your hand on a hot stove, don't be surprised that it's hot. And that's exactly what this feels like. I mean, this feels like the an unsurprising end to this entire saga fiasco, however you want to describe it. And now the Bucks are left without Antonio Brown, without Chris Godwin and facing a playoff run with Mike Evans and not a lot else a wide receiver. It's, I mean, exactly. Like you just said with the stove, it's what did you, what did you think was going to happen? Like he it's, he's had enough chances where it was just, it's not like he had the one, like one bad instance. And it's like, Hey, we're giving him a second chance. This is like his 12th. Like, yeah. it's not like he's, I mean, and it's not like this is when him or oh, later on his Steelers career, this has been since college. I mean, he's had stuff throughout his career and I get it. Everybody, you want second chances. You want guys to be able to redeem themselves, but it's not like he's taking those chances and like to heart. Obviously it's a lot of like, Hey, he said like last week, he was like, you guys create the drama. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, it's the amount of Come enabling on. that's gone on from enabling. every single yes. angle here, from every single stop, just 
how much he's been able to get away with because he's talented. And yep. it just feels like if this isn't the last strike, I don't know what will be. I it's mean, always I, a sliding I, scale for talented uh, players. Always, don't get me wrong. Always. always. But come on. Like, that, it's like to a point where, I mean, you got to know what you are and also got to know what your situation is where it's like, this isn't worth it to anybody. It doesn't matter how good the player is. I mean, last year, it ends up working out okay for them in the playoffs where he plays well and then they bring him back. And then it just felt like it was a matter of time before right. something like this yeah. happened. Even if they got a decent return out of it, which isn't the most important thing, but they managed to avoid getting burned by it for a while. But it, after over a certain amount of time, over a certain amount of time, it felt like something like this was probably going to happen. And now here we are. Yep. And honestly, you just like appreciate Mike Tomlin more. <laughs> more than anything. You're just like, man, how did they deal with this for years and years and years? But that's the thing. After last year, it was like, that was the best case scenario. Win the Super Bowl. He's on his best behavior relatively. Everything hunky-dory. I mean, winning cures all. But it's like, okay, we're good. Like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, all right, we got out of it, you know, Thank you, Lucky Stars. Nothing came up. You have some young receivers, not including Scotty Miller, but some other guys as well. But it's like, okay, you had a path to get out of it. And it's like, I don't know. You're just you're just making a, a, a deal that you don't need to make just just because. I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a situation I just didn't like. I always had a bad taste in my mouth anyways. But then it's just just kind of what you expect that was going to happen. Like, this is this is what the path was. We talk about path with teams. This was just the path with this situation. It was exactly this. And I don't know anyone should be surprised other than that it happened in the middle of a game. The only other time I could think of a player walking off was Moss against the uh, against Washington in Week 17 one time because he thought the game was over. That was it. But there was not taking a clothes off and doing all this and quitting on the team and trying to ask the state troopers for a ride to the airport. Like it, it's just it's unbelievable. The whole I mean, obviously everything that's happened today is just it, afterwards is so it's bizarre surreal. and all the clips that are coming out. Whatever. My problem is that like if you do this and you are going to bring in somebody like this with this sort of history with this sort of past all of these yep. incidents you can't say I, i'm not here to talk about this anymore like yeah. you you have brought the scrutiny and the outcome onto yourself when you make a decision like this and i think it's it's a little bit disappointing to, yeah. to have that response like that's not okay it's not okay to respond that way when you are the creator of this like this has not been brought upon you whatever the bucks or antonio brown may say about it looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move on. It's time for you have my attention. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. All right, Arizona Cardinals, you have my attention. The Cowboys just keep doing this to us. I don't understand why. All we want to do is love you. Just let me love you. I know. It's, God, I, it's every time I feel good, I was like, yeah, okay, there it is. There it is. They're figuring it out. Nope, nope, exactly. Drops on third down. 
uh, a fumble from Dak, um, false start, a center false start out of nowhere. Okay, that was a new one. Okay, but it's just they can't help themselves, but just they just trip over themselves. Um, but just like then you see them, they put. Sorry, I know we're going to talk about the Cardinals, but then you see the Cowboys put together like some of the drives they did in the fourth quarter, and you're like, oh, there it is. Like there it is. That's what I want to see. And then Dak fumbles or something of that sort. But it's just yeah, they just keep doing this. Oh, you know what it is? Did you see the new Matrix movie yet? You, I watched like uh, half of it and then I got okay. distracted. Okay, that's the good half. But it's, I appreciate the ideas of what they were trying to do and make it meta and everything. Sorry, not it's not spoilers for anybody, but like it's like some of the parts are very imperfect and it's like, what are you trying to do there? And like, you know, like the fight scenes aren't all the way, all the way what you're expecting. And I think that's kind of what that's what I'm comparing them to. Their matrix, re, re, uh, was it resolutions? No, it's a uh, uh, reanimate. Re- <laughs> Made the new resurrections matrix resurrections, resurrections. Yeah, yes yeah, yeah. there we go but that's what it kind of felt like to me it was just kind of like okay i like the ideas a lot of this but you guys can't get out of your own way and just let this happen i think that's the best way i can describe the cowboys offense right now i think but there's part of that and obviously you know the fumble the dak fumble is a huge play they fumble a snap in the red zone at some point yes. I, the holding penalties today crush them yeah. i mean so many holds in key moments and again they just kept shooting themselves in the foot but the Cardinals took advantage, and, yep. and the Cardinals took advantage to me in a couple very specific ways. I thought that the Cowboys did not do a very good job. This is one of those games where it felt like the Cowboys' defense was feeling how good they were, and a lot of those plays were Randy Gregory just, you cannot let him escape that way. Like You cannot let Kyler Murray break out of the pocket on third down when all they have on offense is him creating in those yep. moments. It happened so many times today. I mean, there's multiple different times. And then also just the amount of throws he made in really high degree of difficulty situations. It felt like if this game had gone on for another quarter, you know, who knows what would have happened. But I thought that some of the plays that the Cardinals just kind of stole today on offense and then also the way that their defense played, I, Mm -hmm. I was undeniably impressed. It's I keep saying it. It's like it's our they are who we thought they were, but that's what it is with the Cardinals. It's yeah. Kyler, hey, hey, go go do something, buddy. Like their opening plays are pretty cool. Like they have a good opening script where they do some nice change ups, like the AJ Green stop and go. Yeah, like that it was, was a perfect cool call. Third, that was a great call, and you could tell they set it up. They made it look like all their other stuff. And they had the chip help with Christian Kirk on there. It was it was nice. It looks like all the other stuff where they throw stops or throw go balls. Okay, we're gonna get Trayvon Diggs who who will jump stuff. Okay, we'll get him on stop and go. We'll wad it up and we'll hit him on a big play. That like that stuff's cool. They had a jet sweep early on. Then Dorch, was- Greg Dorch. <laughs> it's a new guy. It's a new one. It was like it was like a new little short short guy in there. I was like, okay, okay. There's an eighty number now. Uh, that's that's the new thing now. It's like it used to be like preseason where the receivers were all wearing teens and single digits, and you're like, oh, this guy's not making the team. Now it's the flip. It's like when you see the guys wearing eighty numbers, you're like, ooh, this is a new guy. But honestly, like. Uh, it's on uh, offensively it was kind of like a typical what I, i've seen now from the cardinals offense it's a great opening script coward do stuff for two quarters and then hopefully they hang on in the fourth like that's kind of what we have enough game script we have enough juice or uh, enough leeway to like hone up some mistakes because even like the cowboys got on to kyler scrambling he was letting a lot of stuff go downfield and then their the cowboys dbs were like okay we know that we know that and they started sprinting up when he started to scramble and so it's like they adjusted by the fourth quarter you could feel I know we could talk about this in a different. You can feel the momentum swinging at the Cowboys Stadium. Your old co-host might not like that, <laughs> <laughs> but you could. You could kind of feel it happening a little bit. 
But honestly, it's more what they did on defense that I was like really liking what the Cardinals did is back to kind of like, oh, this is exciting. Their third down stuff. They fooled Dak a couple times. I could really tell. And it would have fooled the shit out of me if I were back there. Like even with tape, tape study, I had the one clip. It was the Buda Baker sack, which was a great. Oh, that was my favorite play. It was my favorite play the entire day. Such a cool play. And uh, just the pressure. Because So just explain what happened on that play. Okay. Yeah. Same protection I talked about with the Bengals using. And the Cowboys run this, which I actually have wanted them to run more on on passing situations just so they can attack down the field. Is the seven-man protection with the tight end and running back and split backs. The Cardinals mug everybody up. They have eight on the line of scrimmage. And snap of the ball, they bring the... Uh, they bring Buda Baker toward the running back side, and then they bring someone else. Byron Murphy. It was Byron Murphy, Murphy but it was only a four-man so, rush. Correct. So they only brought four guys, but one of them was the safety, and the other one was a slot corner. And those are those guys' assignments, the running back and the tight end. So they're like, oh, I, I got my guy. But then they drop everybody out except for two guys. And I would think They I played cover this. two. Yep. And it was, which was two. incredible to watch. They Dennis Gardeck was, was the edge on the left side. He yep. got all the way from being the edge on the left side to the flat on third and long. And he took away the throw that Dak wanted in that moment. Yep. What they do is, I, I love when they do this, they'll be in a pressure, a pressure look or some sort of like heavy man look and they'll drop the single high safety down. So he'll kind of play that little mid, that middle field runner that a linebacker yep. would do typically and they get to it in very strange ways and they did it multiple times today. And it, I just thought it was hard. a great way to kind of hide the fact that they had no outside corners. Yes. I mean, they did a really good job of that all day today. And I thought the Cowboys didn't really take advantage of that in the ways that they were lining guys up. You know, yeah. they had CD in the slot a lot working against Byron Murphy. Yeah. And they had Amari kind of as the number two guy who was didn't. So it's not like they had their best guys working against these backup outside corners that the Cardinals had. Yeah, and that's just I know it's. Can they run like a sale concept like the Cowboys? Like just throw an outbreaker. So like everything feels in inside or stop routes. Like that's just I don't know. Maybe it's anecdotal, but it's like they just feel like there's certain areas of the the field they don't attack. And I've watched way. Uh, it's Cowboys were one of the like five teams I watch way too much of. <laughs> <laughs> just I like what they do, and I just kind of know what they uh, what some of the things they try to do. So, but it's it, it feels like. Uh, like I think they're their a dot. Like I think Dax a dot was like, oh, it's four point five yards today. Yeah, it's, and, that's way too low. Not against this, against a team that defense. has no corners again. Yes, that's yes, and a team that pressures and a team that fakes pressures. That is like a, the way uh, someone asked me on Twitter because I posted that clip uh, of that pressure we just talked about or the simulated pressure, I should say. And wh- why that's so good that simulated pressure with the Buda Baker sack is that it gets this the tight end running back occupied in blocks. And then they got like three offensive linemen just wasted. They're just yep. hanging out, just looking around going like, okay. And now, so it's a three man route against seven DBs or, or seven uh, defenders dropping. But it, it's just like, when you're running this stuff, you're getting them to hold onto the ball. You're not attacking down the field. It's like to get them out of that is you have to gash them. It, it's just like, if they brought a pressure a true pressure is that, yeah, we can figure it out blocking wise, but if you just nickel and dime, they rally and tackle. You're not scaring them. You have to hit explosives on them. So it's that's how you get them out of it. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's what they, those are the answers they have to find. Otherwise, teams are just going to do this to them. I mean, this is the worst time to show this right before the playoffs because teams are going to go, oh, okay, like they're going to find these clips and they're going to put them together, and then playoffs become a one, a one week matchups, and they are they're going to find this stuff. And if you're going to try and nickel and dime all game, it's I don't know, it's not a good formula for them. 
I thought two guys who really stood out for them defensively. Buddha made some crazy plays. Awesome. I mean, he almost picked off a screen pass. Yeah. The Cowboys were in that look where McGovern's out there is, uh, on the bunch, <laughs> and he almost picked that off. He had the sack. He had another PBU on a blitz. And the other guy almost that – had a pick. Almost, uh, yeah, he almost had all, it. He got called back, yeah. And the other – I thought that Isaiah Simmons had some incredible moments in this game. He did. There was a third down where he was manned up on Amari Cooper and – Got forced the incompletion on third down, and that was the play I'm talking about. Where Mari was at the number two spot, mm-hmm. and CD was the number three spot, and Isaiah Simmons was manned up on Amari Cooper and made the play. And then on that sack, that ultimately is a huge. I mean, on the forced fumble, yeah. he blows up Zeke on that play, yep. and then tracks Dak down as he tries to scramble and forces the fumble. That's so he had a couple really nice freak. moments in this game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's yeah. kind of what it was. And that's what they are defensively, right? They yeah. just have a handful of really physically gifted people just unleash them in some unconventional ways. That's exactly what happened today. Chandler Jones had some nice moments. He had the strip yeah. sack. He had a big TFL in this fresh. game. He, like, he did. And I, I thought yeah. that he, the way that Tyron Smith plays – I feel like Chandler Jones is kind of a bad matchup for him because he does those. He's a two hand puncher where he tries to latch on to guys. Yeah. And Chandler Jones's change of direction is so incredible. And so on the whips. strip sack, he hit him with just like a normal cross chop. But his ability to kind of hit some of those moves against somebody who is going to punch like that, there are going to be times where he just misses him. And that's yeah. what happened a couple different times today. So I thought the Chandler Jones had a really nice day. Again, it's just these scattered players. For the Cardinals. And then Antoine Wesley, that touchdown, I mean, th- that's one of those moments where that's a great play. It like was. they had guys come up for them in big moments. Like he that play, he does a great job of stacking in the corner instantly with like a really nice release, and Kyla puts the ball in a really good spot. spot. I thought that the kind of rollish players for the Cardinals today, whether it's Christian Kirk or Antoine Wesley, whoever, outperformed those the DBs for the Cowboys. Like those kind of Step down defensive players for the Cowboys today had a rough day. Donovan Wilson yep. missed a huge tackle on a Chase Edmonds check down that turned into a first down. I thought that Brown had some rough moments. So that's kind of what it was is that those, the stars for the Cardinals played like stars and their second tier players outplayed the second tier guys on the Cowboys. I could tell the, uh, the non, the non digs corners were getting a little scared because it was like a first down play in the fourth quarter and they threw a smoker out to Christian Kirk. And that corner was off the screen on first and 10 because he was backed <laughs> up so far. I swear. I, I, it was hilarious because I was like, where's the corner over there? Is he? And also I see him running back onto the screen. I think he missed the tackle and they got like eight, eight nine, maybe even the first down on that play. But I was like, ooh, this, that's how you know you're not feeling confident when you're backing up to 12 yards in a man assignment on, on, on Christian Kirk. It wasn't even AJ Green or anything. Um, but really, it, it really came down to they, they EPA per play for both of them on first and second down Cardinals and Cowboys was exactly the same negative yeah. 0.01. I mean, it was literally the same. And then third and fourth down for the Cardinals was 0.72 EPA per play. <laughs> the Cowboys was 0.11 EPA per play. So it was like, okay, it was those situations where the, 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 the holes were found in the Cowboys. You can, defense. you can think of them. You can think of them in your mind. I mean, oh, the I fourth down touchdown, which is a good call. It was a good call to be aggressive on that play. Yeah, they absolutely. had that mugged up and Kyler somehow gets out of it, makes a great play. There was a play at third and eight in the second half where Demarcus Lawrence torched the right tackle. Josh Jones is playing right tackle, just torches him. But Gregory gets washed inside. Kyler yep. escapes, flips it to Edmonds, first down. 
that play I just talked about where they hit Edmonds on a check down. Yep. Donovan Wilson misses him in space. There were so many of those plays today. They had a lot of third down magic, and occasionally that can happen with a quarterback who's that talented. That's exactly it. They're going to punish if you don't do your rules. If you don't play by your rules, he's going to punish it. And then that's what good quarterbacks do. I'm not really worried about the Cowboys yet. I'm I feel like this is one of those games, a fake punt, right? I mean, just so many moments like penalty. that in this game. That fumble late in the game, I and mean, if they have a timeout, that was a fumble. Yep. So who knows what happens with that? I mean, there are a lot of sliding doors moments in this game. I thought the Cowboys, there is a better version of them out there than what we saw today. Yeah, and it's, they're two good teams. I mean, this happens. Yeah, it, yeah it's exactly. A, it's, it's a quick exactly. game. It, it, that's how it is. It, it's just a couple of bounces of the ball don't go your way, but that's exactly it. You just don't want it to happen in the playoffs. <laughs> that's right. the number one thing. It's time for the State Farm Surprisingly Great Performance of the Week presented by State Farm. The Tennessee Titans, after the Chiefs' loss, are now the number one seed in the AFC. If they beat just... the Texans next week, the Titans have home field advantage throughout the playoffs is it going to be another rain game i feel like every game in nashville is a rain game like everything is mucky weather and <laughs> windy i was there last year when they played the ravens it was okay it was okay yeah it was okay oh, okay but it's it's uh it, they have an identity i guess it's get the third manageable run some designer plays and then hit one or two in breakers to aj brown and then that's that's their offensive identity <laughs> so i they're third and short numbers I'm pretty sure they have on third and fourth and less than two. Okay. They, I think they're the third most efficient team in the league. They get it like 75% of the time. I can see that. The Chiefs are number one. The Chiefs are converting 80% of their third and two or lesses. This That's season. funny. 80, which not shocking. No. But the Titans are very, very good in those scenarios. One of the reasons is they really use Ryan Tannehill's legs yes. well. In yeah. those moments. Today, there was a third yeah. and one where he boots out. I mean, they do a really good job of utilizing him in those spaces. And in the red zone, is the same way. Yeah. I think that's consistently why they've been a really good red zone team over the last couple of years, even though that stuff tends to be a little bit more volatile because he uses those legs really well in those moments. So they had a couple in-breakers to A.J. Brown today. Yeah. Drew a pass interference on one. So yeah. the yardage isn't even all there. Those were their best those, passing plays. Those are like, three explosives. Far, <laughs> those are by far their best passing plays. I will say, if we're trying to build a case for why this Titans team can beat somebody in the playoffs with their offense, why their offense is good enough, it starts with the line. Mm-hmm. That that is where it starts to me. If they get AJ, or if they get Derrick Henry back, that's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. But that line today, I thought was excellent, and the right side is not the side we talk about nearly as much. But Nate Davis is a really good run blocker. And I yes. thought he was very, very good today. And I thought Cuisenberry was really good today. Yep. When you watch that line play together, they are a really good run-blocking unit. I mean, Dante Foreman's running all over people today against a Dolphins defense that is a good defense. Yep. That's why I wanted to really hone in on this because it's not like the Dolphins have been merely a mediocre team this entire year. Their, de- their offense is horrible to watch. Like today was really rough, and we can get to that. But their defense had been playing really well, and the Titans' running game took it to them physically throughout the entire day. And I think the offensive line deserves a vast majority of the credit for that. Yeah, wait. There was a couple clips from the 49ers game. They were, I mean, they get capital M movement like in the run game. Like it's not. They really it, define the line of scrimmage. They absolutely yes. do. And that's why that's why a lot of Foreman's runs. You can tell it goes up and over and up. A lot. It's not like a, a a diagonal run, and then he cuts like you see in a lot of zoners duo schemes. It's because they get movement, so he's going up 
and then he goes past the movement and then it goes up again. And that's why that's what it's just the path of the run. And you could tell it's it's good. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was we talked about the we dove into the Dolphins defense a little bit on Friday was that they punish battle lines and they punish bad QBs or QBs that aren't protection sound and know where their hots are and all that. And today you could see that they had a handle on it. All their guys know, knew where they were going, not just the right side, but everybody. And the running backs were getting in there. Tannehill did enough, but it was like, it was good. It was a good performance. This defense punished Give me seven-man protections and run the ball against this team. Like it is a yeah. very good offensive game plan, even if they didn't put up a ton of points. It's not sexy, but it won the game. It's like, it, it, they were in control of the entire game. Like, it never felt, every time I glanced over this game, it was never felt like it was getting away from them because it was a team performance. And that's kind of how they have to play. Cause they just, <laughs> that's just what this team is. I mean, it just, it is what it is. The defense did play well, but it's like when you have that, when you have the details of this and even the, all the third down plays, like it's different guys getting these third down conversions. It's not just, they go to, okay, we have our third down guy. They don't have their Kendrick Bourne as much as we all, <laughs> as much as we want that. They, they hit Ferkser after he chips underneath. They have sprint outs. They get Tannehill on the move. And it's a different guy picking um, the lonesome runs. Like you said with Tannehill, he's great in the third one, not just the sneaks, but getting on, get him on the move on the boots and everything. And then they even have like a, th- uh, the huge throwback screen. He got called, called back for the block in the back, but it was like, Oh, they finally hit a screen by the way. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to have them hit, it was a good one hit that too. screen. It was a good I, one too. I also want to touch on a couple of the guys on the defense. Christian Fulton has had a really nice year. Yeah. I mean, I thought that he had some really nice moments today. Elijah Molden, too. He had the tipped pass. He also mm-hmm. had a real couple of really nice pass rush plays today. Uh, and that defense in general, and I think just you look at it broadly, the amount of injuries they've had to endure on both sides of the ball this year, just the amount of guys who have filtered through that team and that roster, for them to have the number one seat, even if they're the 20th team in DVOA, right? Even if they have been rough to watch at times mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, I think you have to give... Mike Vrabel, a ton of credit for them keeping the train on the tracks this entire time because now, let's say they get Henry back and the offensive line is fully healthy. What could they be? What could they look like in the playoffs? Because the defense is a borderline top 10 defense that's playing very well and is healthy. They're getting contributions from these guys like Fulton, like Molden, that are young, homegrown players that have taken a step forward. I, and Kevin Byard is having an amazing season. Yes. Monty Hooker had some really nice moments again today, and he's played well for most of the year. We like their linebackers. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if they've been a little bit dinged up, and now they have Zach Cunningham, and and I think that the front is at least interesting. Yeah. You know, just like the types of things that they can throw at you. I thought that against this Dolphins offensive line, it's an absolute mismatch, but I oh, thought I they also had some really nice moments. And it's just one of those things that this team absolutely could have folded up shop a lot of different times this season and they didn't. And now who the hell knows what can happen? I mean, they are, they're not going to play in week one of the playoffs. If they beat the Texans. (laughs) Yes, I know it's, it's insane. And I mean, watching their defensive front get at, I mean, a lot of teams get after the dolphins offensive line, but not hard to do. (laughs) It's not hard to do, but it's, they got kind of an ass kicker line. Like they do. They do. Like they're gonna they're gonna punish you if you're gonna play finesse against them. And that's that's tough. That's really tough. Not a lot of offensive lines can handle that for 60 minutes. Like it's gonna be they're gonna make you earn your money. I think that's the best way to to, to summarize this team. It's like they're gonna make you earn it. If you want to beat them, you actually have to play. You can't just roll the ball out and go like, well, they're hurt, they're banged up, they got no explosive players, like yada yada yada. Like, no, they're gonna make you earn it. And like you said, that props to Vrabel. Like, I mean, props are, I mean, for, they just look competent. 
even if it's not sexy all the time, it's like at least all the stuff they do makes sense. They play yeah. with a uniform energy and physicality. Yeah. Like that, that entire team yeah. plays with a certain attitude that you have to really appreciate. You look at some of like the truly bad teams around the league yeah. and the ways that they play. And then you look at a team like this Titans group that even when there are guys hurt, even last week, you know, when Brewer was their starting left guard instead of their sixth offensive lineman, there still was a uniformity to the way that they played, even if you have guys in there that just aren't starting level players. And no. guess what? It looks a hell of a lot better today when he's your jumbo offensive lineman. You can push some people around and Saffold and Luan are back in the lineup. It's and that's kind of where we're at with this team. It's like not playing 10 snaps, eight snaps instead of 60. Snaps. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like how healthy can they get and what could yeah. they look like? It's very uh, quick. Chester, Chester Rogers, by the way, he like he caught the little sprint out for a first down, number eighty, and then like it was pretty hilarious. Like as he's running out of bounds, Vrabel is like talking on the headset and like flips up the headset and gives him like a big high five, and then, like flips the headset back down. You can tell he's talking to a defensive coach. It's like, okay, what were you saying? Like it was just like <laughs> that kind of sums up like Vrabel. It's like no that's matter great, what, he's, that's what that's you what want. he is. Yes, I, I exactly. was talking to I was talking to somebody with the team with head coach hiring power, you know, just in, in that sort of role recently. And they were talking about Mike Vrabel and just the job that he has done there and just how, you know, we, you look at it and we're going to talk about this person a little bit later in the show. I am as guilty of this as anyone. I want the offensive play caller. Like I, that is how, what I believe in. I think that is the best way to sustainably build a really good team year after year. But I think that we've seen cases where the CEO type head coach can work. They've won a lot of games under Mike Brabel in the last few years, and they've done it in different ways, right? Their offense was one of the most efficient groups in the league for the couple years before this. Their defense has carried them at times this year. They're running the ball pretty well over the last few weeks. With their When their line is healthy, they can still run the ball, but we've seen different versions of them. And then you look at a team like the Giants, who has a CEO-type head coach, and there is no attitude. There's no physicality. There's no uniformity to the way that they play. So there are different ways this can yeah. play out. And I think that the Titans have found a way that is working for them. I don't know how this eventually play, like finishes, right? Like the way that they've done this and the way that they've spent their money and you know how expensive this team has gotten offensively and where they can eventually go. But I will say that what they did this year, what they've accomplished, despite everything that's happened. I mean, Mike Vrabel has done one of the best coaching jobs of anyone in the NFL this season. And I think that we should acknowledge that. The one seed, one seed Titans. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I completely agree though. They, it's yeah. They've hung in every game. Uh, they had a couple of weird losses, but then they had a couple of good wins. I mean, the 49ers wins a good win. Like uh, it's, yes. I know it's a Thursday night muck game, but they beat this Dolphins team. Who's like, I mean, they just beat the saints last week. I know they haven't played a, a killer's row, but it's like, you know, they're winning these games. Like, and that's why they're the one seed. They don't, they don't stub their toe like all these other teams seem to be doing, like at the weirdest times. It's like every they're in every game. Like it's yeah, it, it speak to variable, like you said. Because honestly, it could look like the Panthers. <laughs> like it could with another CEO type coach. The Dolphins offense is rough to watch, man. Yeah. And and I feel like this was just the game where I needed to see be like, oh yeah, I did not want to watch this team come playoff time. Like when they would actually had to play against a real team, there was no way that this offense was going to be able to consistently move the ball. And that was the case today. I mean, they just it's a Mickey Mouse offense who can't block anybody. Like that that's exactly what it feels like. It's uh find Waddle, get Waddle the ball. That's that's the offense. We, Worst we, plans, but that that, yeah. that does not an NFL offense make. I've said they needed their own version of a Randy ratio. But it, it's honestly when when we um recruited Tyler Boyd to Pitt. 
he was such a he was a running back in in high school. He was he's a pit he's a whippy old the Western PA legend like he really is. And then he's getting all these you know Tennessee's offering all this stuff. And how one of the ways we kind of recruited him was we showed him like a play and we showed him that he could align at every spot. And that's like that's the Dolphins' offense with Waddle. It's like hey, you can be <laughs> in the backfield, you can be in the slot, off the ball, outside. But other than that, when Waddle is not the primary, it's like whew. It's it, the whole offense just blows up. It's like anytime they they're forced to run like a true run play that's not an RPO. It's like hold on to your hat that like their their guys are even going to the right guy. Um, uh, not even just like talent wise. It seems like they're all disjointed, just eyes wise as well. Because I've watched a couple of their games the last couple of weeks. You know, trying to like you know see if they're doing anything. But really, I, I worked with George Gotzi. I, I mean, I was a freshman at UCF before I transferred to Wisconsin. I, I, a lot of people know that, but he was my quarterback coach there. And his number one thing was always find the backside safety. And I could tell he's gotten to, through to Tua on that. Because honestly, every play goes, Tua looks, finds the backside safety, and then he finds Waddle. And it's like that's <laughs> every play, every drop back basketball play looks exactly the same because of that. And other than like sale concept, which it, a lot of the stuff has to be outside for Tua, it looks like. that's His best stuff is he has to see it outside the numbers. And he could progress and do all that. But that's what they're trying to do, it seems like, a lot. A lot of the stuff has to be go balls and corners smash outs those types of things or slants that are coming into him you know that those types of things and that's when the offense is yeah it's just like you said it's just it's rpo heavy and it's bad offensive line it's really hard when you go against a good defense that can just beat you with four and really just take it to you and, and this front can third and I mean, this front absolutely yes. can there was one play that stuck out to me I, I can't remember if it was a sack i think it was where landry was coming off the right side and they ran a little game with i think dupree Maybe Autry or maybe Simmons. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. But the different right ass side. Kicker. Was, yeah, it, 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 but that's what it was. It was the ass yeah. kicker side and yeah. the bendy side. And yeah. when you have those different flavors of pass rushers, you see how the pocket is offended or mm-hmm. affected. Landry is, is really bendy. I mean, he's yes. had a, a nice season, and that's his best trait is that he can get to the edge, and he has some really good flexibility there. Those other guys just want to crush the pocket. Mm-hmm. So one side gets crushed, and then he's bending around the corner, and those two sides work in concert really well with one another. And that's what they can do. And then again, you have those guys in the secondary, those young players who've definitely taken a step forward. They're a really solid defense. Yeah. So I think that those are definitely – that. that's the group that I feel like that defense can keep them in it. And if they can run the ball and hit three, four shot plays over the course of that game, like the – I need like three or four inbreakers to AJ Brown with seven man protections, and that's how that offense should look. Yep. And we'll see what that works or if that works against a really good team. But it's working for them. It's today. a formula. Yeah. All right. They, whole bunch of third and fours. <laughs> Guys, remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right. Every week, we try to find something that needs a little bit more explanation from the NFL Sunday. We're just going to have an explanation of what the hell the NFL playoff picture looks like right now. So, Ian Rappaport, before we started this show tweeted out the schedule for next Saturday and for next weekend in general. Chiefs will play the Broncos on Saturday afternoon. The Cowboys will be at the Eagles on Saturday night. And the Chargers will be at the Raiders on Sunday night, which makes a lot of sense. Because if you're looking at the way the schedule has fallen, which teams can get in, which teams can't, the Raiders-Chargers game is now a play-in game. More or less. Lose your leaves down. So the Chargers win and they're in. They lose and they're out. And that was only possible because the Raiders somehow beat the Colts today <laughs> in sure. an incredibly ugly game. It was the Hunter Renfro show. That was he's uh, just good, man. He's like, good. He's just good. It's not there's funny no qualifiers, yeah. no nothing. I was nothing. looking at some of the numbers. Before this game even happened, he was sixteenth in the league among players with at least fifty targets and yards per route run. Sixteenth. I had guys like Stefan Diggs. I mean, he's not like in the top five, but he is a re- like a really productive NFL receiver who does a lot of things well. I mean, some of the biggest plays he had today was working against Kenny Moore, who is a Pro Bowl cornerback. Yep. So there is nothing like kind of talking out of the side of your mouth or like, oh, man, yeah, he's good for whatever. He's just a good NFL player. The fact that he's the best receiver on that team and they beat the Colts today is not a good look for the Colts. <laughs> and he was like, I mean, in the slot, like you can tell those corners are terrified uh, uh, being matched up with him because he just, he just, it's that, that this thing that some of these receivers have where he just attacks forward, attacks forward. He makes you, un- he eats up space without getting kind of out of whack. Like it's a weird tempoing thing. That's why I love Devontae Smith so much. It was that he does it so, so well, but it's just like the attack space. But he also had the great play on the over. Like where he just high pointed the ball and then he get, I mean, they ended up ruling like down the set the game winning field goal for the Raiders, but he ended up getting up so quick. And that's where his athleticism is. It's, it's quick. He's really good after the catch. Not like somebody you're going to get the ball to on screens and like have him take it the distance, but he is really good at getting 
seven more yards than he should on these plays with like a little last bit of explosion it's, after the ball's in his hands. It's a hidden trait that some of these guys have of turning north after they catch the ball. Like if you settle and catch the ball, it hits you in the chest of kind of dropping, drop stepping and getting north. He kind of has that ability that a lot of those guys that can create it. Yeah. So it's such a good point. It's a different type of yards after catch, but he's going to get them. Like he's not just a tackle and uh, you know, catch and tackle type of guy. No, but it, anyways, it was just, uh, <laughs> but it was the Hunter Renfro couple minutes. I'm glad we got to talk about it because it he's really fun to watch. He really is. But uh, speaking about the Colts though, it's like they're, it, it's every time I watch a great Jonathan Taylor run, I have to watch two Carson Wentz passes of holding onto your hat and hoping he doesn't screw up the play for him. Like he, it, it's, it's so jarring sometimes to watch this guy play and it's just like that's how it's scary a little bit watching this cold steam because it's like oh man they do so many nice things and you love the designs and you love the offensive line you love how taylor's playing how the defense can play and then it's just like then you get the carson wentz no 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 yes balls or the just check it down and stop like messing up and like tripping over your feet and two hand he had like a two hand overhand pass oh at my one god point. at his right tackle for no reason like, Just check it down. <laughs> so many of those plays, and then him missing Ty Hilton. Oh my god! Uh, I mean that he that could be Backbreaker. the game. That could be the game, and he just sails it. I mean, then the Ty Hilton touchdown easily could have been an interception. Like it's oh, yeah. just uh, he is exhausting. I mean, he's just absolutely exhausting. And it's one of those things. If they beat the Jags next week, which they absolutely should, right? Should. They're in. Like they, this is not a backbreaker for the Colts in terms and they of their playoff chances. They should be in, and I yes. think that they are a legitimate playoff team. Yep. But I, you just can't get that out of the back of my mind. It's just nope. what he's going to do for them in the playoffs, What he, how he could hold them back, what those moments could look like. It, and it's not just the playoffs. It's not just this year. I mean, he is going to be their quarterback. And this is now the life you lead, Colts fans. It, for as exciting as you might, excited as you might be about the core of this team and the way that they play and everything else, you are going to have to live with this no, 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 yes, 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 no quarterback for it, the foreseeable future. And that's kind of the place that we're in. Oh, so that's... the Chargers beat the Broncos. Again, if they win next week against the Raiders, they're in. This felt like a moment for the Broncos that maybe wasn't the worst thing, the way that this season ended. The fact that you know they get crushed today, you know, it does seem like there's a decent gap between them and the really good teams in the AFC. I felt like a rough outcome for them this year would have been them talking themselves into whatever this version of it looks like. I know Drew Locke played today, and that wasn't the way they wanted the season to go, and that Teddy's been pretty good in stretches, but it felt like this game kind of slammed the door on the Broncos wanting to maintain this version of who they are into next season, which for the franchise, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it's it's a team that you you watch them even rewatching this game. You're like, oh, they got so many nice players. Like you see, a, but then you just man, they're just stuck in a rut because their quarterbacks are in a rut. Like they're in no man's land. It's just not the the seventy sixers, the Philadelphia seventy sixers blew up their team. I'm not saying the Broncos have to do this, but blew up their team and started the whole trust the process stuff because they they didn't want to be in no man's land. They were tired of the eight seeds in an NBA world. That's the worst thing you can be almost being an eight seed with no chance of winning the first round. They get blown out. In NFL world, that's that equivalent is like having a decent roster where you're like, oh, we might be a wild card team, we might be that seven seed, and but your quarterback is not the one winning you those games. It's not over oh, the playoffs and we're like the Chargers are the flip of this. It's wow, we got our second year quarterback who's a stud. Okay, 
we get, we sneak into the playoffs. We can make some noise. Like this is okay because this guy can carry us, and it might not all be perfect, but hey, he can he can do his That's shit. The word when you yeah. when it's the opposite. Everything else needs to be perfect. Yeah. Everything needs Everything. to be perfect. And that's kind of how it, the Colts are not as pronounced an example of this. It's kind of how I feel about the Colts, though. It's like mm-hmm. Wentz can play like this. They could be contenders, but everything else needs to be perfect. And I don't know if right now everything else is that good in Indianapolis. It's certainly not that good for the Broncos, and their yeah. offensive ceiling is even lower than what we're dealing with with the Colts. So I think that you know it's a tough end of the season for Denver, but... I think if this leads to some changes, it might not be the worst thing in the world. So looking at it right now, the AFC playoff picture, just the last kind of few things to mention. I'm going to steal this from Barnwell because I'm going to let him do the research for me. If the Colts lose, according to Barnwell, the Raiders could still get in with a loss if the Steelers lose one of their next two games. The Steelers are in if they win out and the Jags beat the Colts. Please, no. Oh, God, it would be so bad. Please, no. I'm sorry, Steelers fans, but please, like I can't, <laughs> I can't see number seven. Barnwell again. says the Ravens can still get in if oh, they yeah, beat the Steelers in Week 18. The Jags beat the Colts, the Raiders beat the Chargers, the Patriots beat the Dolphins, and the Browns don't win out. So the Ravens have a long way to go. Long story short, here it feels like the Colts are going to get one of those wild card spots, and the winner of the Raiders Chargers game Chargers. is going to get the other one. Okay, so I feel like. The best version of the AFC playoffs involves the Colts and the Chargers. Still, I agree. I still believe that, and I think that you know if the Chargers can take care of business, that's where we're going to get next week. Makes for a great Sunday night game. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have to be tuned into that pretty hardcore. All right, the NFC, the Eagles are in. I pretty I, based on what I've seen, I think I don't. I don't know if this is so. The Eagles are in after the Vikings lost. Yep. Sure. Can the can the Eagles <laughs> win a playoff game? Okay, I really was trying to be good here and go like, oh man, if they this happen, this happen, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. It's just, and it's not anything like too bad. I love the offensive line. I love, you know, of course, love Devontae Smith, Dallas Godart. Couple fun defensive linemen. I just don't think this defense can hang with a real offense that they, they would face in the playoffs. And so right Jim, now, the, I uh-huh. think the Eagles, the Eagles are right now in the seventh seed. Yeah, they're okay. like the Bucks, right? They would play the Rams as it currently. The Rams. <laughs> they they would play the Rams as it currently sits right now. So if the let's let's look at this. Week, yeah, here we go. Week eighteen. If the Niners win, so it looks like the Eagles are probably going to be in the yeah. seventh seed. Yeah. Because if the Niners lose, then who who? You then the, the, if the Niners lose and the Saints win, then the okay. Saints are in. Okay. Okay. So the Saints can because st- the the Still Niners play it. the Rams, yep. right? So mm-hmm. that absolutely can happen. But right now, we're talking about the Eagles, if this if the playoffs started in this exact moment, they would go on the road and play the Rams. You feel like even with the running game, even with the way that their offense has looked over the last over the second half of the season, the formula they've tapped into, you think they're going to have a hard time beating like one of the really good teams in the NFC? I do, and it's. Man, I, I like what the offense does. Like it, Jalen Hurts has some limitations, but he's come along and he, they've honed in on what he does well: use his legs, throw throw go balls on the outside, and hey, let's have a good run game with it. But like this defense, though, it's I think they f- face any sort of, sort of competency on the offensive side. It's like it's a shred fest. It, it it really is. Just they just don't have the dudes for it. Uh, and what they and they play softer coverages. 
they try to mix it up and when they do, it's not pretty. So I think that's really what it is, but you never know. Like football's funny. I, I thought there's going to be some blowouts that weren't blowouts this week. <laughs> I thought the Cowboys would sustain and score 30 points this week. You never know. in the NFL, that's, what's great. But I think it's like their path to win is, you know, they have to have a good game script. They got, you can't be dropping back time after time after time. Jalen Hurts can run around, but I think a better team will have a better defense. Like the Rams will have enough team speed to compensate for that. You know, the Bucks would have who whose defense hasn't been great, great, but it's, you know, they would have enough to like compensate for that and, and overcome like any of those deficiencies or, or advantages that the Eagles can create. But having said that, I like what the Eagles have done. Like I, I, I love this offensive line so much. And I love watching Devontae Smith play. Like it's it's they have they have a really good core of guys. It's really cool to watch. It is an undeniable success the season that they've had. I mean, the fact that they're a playoff team after the way that they started and after oh, the expectations some of the us hiring. had coming into the year, <laughs> I had no idea what to expect from this Eagles team. I had nope. zero idea what they would be. I thought it was going to be full scale. Let's evaluate what we have. Yep. Next offseason is the offseason. Yep. Where can we go from here? The fact that they have tapped into a formula that works for them in this way is really impressive. I don't it know is. what the next couple stages of their franchise looks like. If they roll with Hertz next year, which I think you absolutely could be justified in doing after the season that he's had, and what stages two through six of the Sirianni experience ends up looking like, because we've seen this, right? You have teams that you can kind of find something that works for you. You can settle into a version of yourself offensively. It's like with this group, with these players, we can do this. Mm -hmm. This is an efficient way to play football. What does stage two look like when you have an entire year's worth of film and an entire offseason for teams to say, this is what they are. Let's not allow them to be this. And there's no way to know what that's going to look like. But this first stage has gone about as well as you possibly could have hoped. I mean, seriously, they, I, again, I, I, I've already eaten this crow, but I'll eat it again. But it's like, I was like, this is one of the bottom rosters. And it was like, I thought they, they, I, I thought they were likely to go four and 13 as much as make the playoffs. So like, that's really how and I, I, I don't blame team. you at all. I, I, I did not know what to expect from them. And I absolutely could have seen that coming. And it's props to them. I mean, now they're sitting in a nice spot, really. I mean, they got three first round picks. They can do some fun, have some fun with like they can do. There's so many paths for this team. And like you said, what's two steps through two through six. I mean, really it is, but you cannot speak enough to what they have done this year. Like all the props to this coaching staff. Like really it's what they have, like this bandage parts, like this dollar store guy here, this premium guy here, like just this mix of parts. And they, they look, good at times and it's like but they have an identity and then we'll see that's why the playoffs are so hard I, i've mentioned it a couple times before is that it becomes a week-to-week matchup thing and they hone in exactly what you are and the good coaches on the other teams go you do this and we're going to take that away from you that's kind of what it's going to be it's going to be what i'm worried about with her next season and beyond Correct. but in one week chunks so yes. we'll see what happens there exactly. all right the niners take care of business against the texans so essentially they play the rams next week if they win they're in if they lose and the Saints win, the Saints are in. Okay. So I feel like at this stage, I'd rather see this Niners team. Yes. I thought Trey Lance was had some moments today. He did. I mean, he's clearly shocking. The guy who was drafted third overall and that a team traded multiple future first round picks away for has some physical talent. <laughs> he's, oh my God. He he does not 
care about lowering his shoulder to defenders either. I'm, I if I were his coach, I'd be like, stop, stop it, stop it. I know you're tough. Only way for touchdowns or like, if, hey, Super Bowl fourth downs. Like, just we don't need you to be doing that. But he's already even throughout this game, you can see some growth, which is really exciting. Like his, they've already worked with his foot, feet a little bit. And I think this is some mental. This game slowing down for a little bit, but his footwork got a little tighter. Like as far as how long he strides. And also just his motion got a little tighter. And again, usually the first step with this is mental because then he can anticipate. And he doesn't feel like he has to squeeze a ball in and you see the Byron left, which bring it down to your knee and fire it in there. <laughs> like he's actually, it looks a little tighter. There's a couple throws where I was like, okay, it's really middle of the second quarter. The two minute drive was nice, but the second half was all good stuff. Like it was, he had some real legit throws. He had the pick on the week where it was just him. Guarantee you, every time he's run that play, that that where he's wide open, wide open. He's never had to adjust on that play. I I I can tell you exactly what happened there. He's like, well, usually in practice, that's a wide open touchdown. We all go nuts over. Uh, All right, screw it, I'm throwing it up. But you can see the vision of this offense too. Like it's kind of cool. You've seen the GT counter read stuff. They did the four by one uh, uh, swing stuff where it's the QB draw. You see with Kyler and Josh Allen all the time. You see all the they're running the power lead plays where he it's basically a single single wing offense like it's 1930s stuff where Juszczyk is the offset guy from the shotgun but that basically, he basically becomes a fullback and it's like yeah ooh that's pretty cool we're seeing like okay you see where the creativity is coming in and then he just does stuff like the naked throws in the first quarter like he's working left he shifts his shifts his hips and throws the intermediate throw not the check down that like the underneath throw that would have gotten blown up for a yard. He's hitting the first down, and it's like, ooh, okay. Like he brings that to the table for this team, and it's like, oh man, that it's cool. It's it's cool. It's a much better performance, and obviously, it's later in the season. But it was cool to see him throughout this one game get better, and now it's been against the Texans defense that's been fine. That's like, their nice past things. defense has been merely average, so it's not just something to write off because oh, it's the Texans. They've actually right. done a pretty good job on that side of the ball. Look at year. last week. All right. <laughs> One more thing I need a little bit of explanation on before we move on. Why do the Giants feel like they need to continue doing this? Like, why do the Giants feel like they have to tie themselves to whatever is going on there? Can, can you play us the clip of Joe Judge from after the game today? Now, you guys ain't been in the building for two years now with this coach. All right, but I'll tell you right now. All right, if you're in the damn building, you walk on through our locker room, you ain't seen that crap you saw before. All right? You ain't seeing guys right now planning vacations. You ain't seeing golf clubs in front of players' locker. You ain't seeing that stuff. Okay? You ain't seeing that. All right? And that's not because of some high school program we're cracking with. That's because our guys understand how to play together as a team. And they understand the process of how they're going through. So I can go through a whole X's and O's evaluation. I can go through a roster evaluation. I can go through a lot of things for you right now, okay? I do it every day myself. I go through all that stuff. But in terms of the next step to take, I can tell you right now, Okay, I know we're a whole lot closer to where we're going than we are further away. I can tell you that right now. I can tell you we got more players here who are going to be free agents next year, all right, who are in my office every day begging to come back. I know that. Okay, I know that. Or players that we coached last year that still call me twice a week talking about, you know, how much they wish they were still here even though they're getting paid more somewhere else. Okay, so uh, that's good, Kent. That's tampering, by the way. That last part is incredible. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just tampering. I. <laughs> He's from Philly, by the way. What's that? He's that from accent. Philly. He's from Philly. Yeah, I know he went to Mississippi State, but I mean, <laughs> the Giants had negative ten passing yards today. 
It is the worst passing performance of the 21st century by any team. The Giants are not a rebuilding team. Nope. The Giants handed out monstrous contracts this offseason to guys like Kenny Galladay, to guys like Adoree Jackson. This is a team that has a couple hundred thousand dollars in cap space next year. There's no excuse for them to look like a barely functional NFL team this far into their team building process and the Joe Judge era. Like this idea that him bringing him back next year and bringing Daniel Jones back next year is a continuation of some progress that we've seen so far. I don't know who they're trying to kid with that. What progress? Why are they better off now than they were two years ago, other than having a more expensive roster? But it, it's unbelievable. Okay. What, what have we, I know it's a totally different kind of uh, situation, but like, what have we liked seeing from the Lions at least, like with Dan Campbell? You see some flashes of competency. And yeah, all that, with a like team the, that has zero NFL talent, with zero. a team that has zero players that they were like, you know, what? we're going to go out and spend on this guy. When you're getting some flashes like that from Amon Ross St. Brown, that's yep. fun because you're at the beginning stages of this. The Giants yep. are not supposed to be at the beginning stages. And even if they were, they look worse than a team like the Texans or the Lions does. Yes. Oh, especially like the Texans. I, I that's Kenny Galladay. Do you know what his stat line is? How many yards do you think he's got this year? Is it less than like a hundred? It's four hundred ninety nine. He's just under five hundred. Zero oh, that makes touchdowns. Sense. That, makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Zero touchdowns. I know it's zero touchdowns. That, that, zero that's zero touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. that. But still, that's I mean four hundred ninety nine yards it. and zero touchdowns. Getting paid twenty million dollars a year. Yeah. And, and here's my thing about this. Okay. That's fine. Right, I, I don't. Good for Kenny Galladay making that amount of money. Yeah, yeah, get your money. How could you look at the team that they had and say, you know what, we need on this team? We need a Kenny Galladay and we need a Kadarius Tony, and we'll be fine. When you're yep. trotting out Nate Solder at right tackle, they, their interior, their offensive line. I know they've had some injuries this year, but it wasn't good when the guys were healthy. I mean, it's just everything about the way that they have built this thing is backwards to me, and there has been no progress. There, no. I there is nothing about what the last couple of years have looked like where I believe that this group deserves more time to show that what this plan looks like is moving forward. Right. Am I being yeah. too harsh? It doesn't. No, no. And this guy is supposed to be a game management process type of guy. And it's like on game days, they're sloppy and like they do. Like He's a special stupid. teams coordinator and they can't do anything right on that side of the ball. It's, like the fact that they're letting kickoffs land inside the five and scrambling yep. to go get them. It's not like this has happened one time. It's That's happened exactly plenty right. of different times. Even the fact it's that weekly. Mike Glennon is the backup quarterback there. Yep. Even that That's, is like, yep. why? Like what? And then you look at the Ravens with Huntley. Yes. You know, you a see perfect example. Other teams that it's like, oh, these backups are fun. Like, oh man, I remember this guy in college being a pretty fun player. The Giants put backups in. You're like, who the hell is this guy? Like you, you, you don't even know. Like, cause it's just like in the, in the stars and scrubs roster where it's like, you're overpaying the stars that aren't maybe stars. And then the scrubs are just the bomb scrubs that you probably know the guy's buddy. It's like, Oh yeah, he, he, I coached him in college. So let's bring him up. That's what the Panthers are doing too, with all the temple guys as well. Not, not the other team you want to be compared to as well, but it's like, that's the exact type of line of thinking. It's with any position, I watch quarterbacks. I watch this is why I like Trevor Lawrence. I like his process on a lot of plays. And then it's like, okay, I, I think the results are going to come. That is what I'm betting on. The process for this Giants team is always just bad. It's just like, it's, we, we laugh at it. And I know fans of that can get, you know, you get sensitive because like we're all getting made fun of. It's because 
they're getting put in these situations because their process is just continuously bad. And it's just bad after bad after bad. What is supposed to be your strength is like, what What do you lean on? Like what times They have nothing. They have, they nothing. have nothing like that. No and, identity. And now Joe Judge is going to be the part of the process of picking their new GM. Sure. Like Next Patriots guy, man. That's, that's I, exactly I just, what it'll be. Everything about it. And the fact that Dave Gettleman was part of the process of ushering in this era of whatever the team looks like. like we, we talked about this with Mitch last week. This idea of claiming that this is stability or trying to show stability by having these little bridge moments where, oh, well, well you know, the, G, the coach is staying here. The coach and the quarterback are the same. We're not just firing people. Like, this is stable. It's not stable. Like, when you it's listen not. to that, it, it does not sound like stability. It sounds like no. you're telling yourself a story about where you are as a franchise, and that story is entirely fictional. That's exactly it. It's compounding errors. It's it's a touchdown, a beautiful ball that's 70 yards for a touchdown, as opposed to like a tipped lucky pass that goes for a touchdown going, hey, we scored. Like, you know, like the the path getting there is so much uglier and you got lucky and all this stuff. It's not, like you say, the sustainability. We talked about this with the Jaguars, with Shield, when we had a nice little fun rant about the Jaguars and Balky. Like, same exact thing. It's like, just because you're saying sustain and we're we're keeping a bridge and we're keeping it. To what? From what? It wasn't like this was some. That's exactly right. Great, great, great. Last couple of years where it was like, oh, we want to keep this going. Like from the Coughlin years, it's like, no, it's like it's been crap for a while now. And it's like, so what are you doing? Might as well just, I don't know. It's bad. It's just it's like, how it's I felt just... about my team, and that's why I'm yeah. comfortable being as harsh as I am about this. Because you watch teams do this, like there was no reason to trot this back. The only benefit. To the Bears doing this with Pace and Nagy again was them being desperate enough to make the Justin Fields trade. Yep. That That is the only benefit that came from this. You cannot watch where that team was at the end of last season. And they made the playoffs. And think to yourself, this is headed in the right direction. This is tangible process that we can build on. If these guys just get a little bit more time, it's going to be okay. And it's, I don't think you should fire a coach every couple of years no. for, for no reason, right? And Vance Every Joseph, situation's different. Exactly. Like that's, and yeah. Exactly. And Vance Joseph said this to me a few, when I was talking to him a couple months ago. And he was talking about how he only got two years in Denver. And he was like, I felt like we were making progress there. And you need results. But if it's trending in a certain direction, I think three years is the right amount of time. But mm-hmm. you need results. You need to show people that you are moving in the right direction. And I think that that does not exist with this team. You are not moving in the right direction. It's not about what even their body of work is terrible, yeah. right? With the Bears, at least, oh, well, we haven't had a losing season. We made the playoffs a couple of times. Which direction is the arrow pointing? Correct. And with the Giants, it's not pointing up. I don't understand how you can look at what they've been on the field over the last couple of years and say the arrow is pointing up. It, it just absolutely, this Bears team is bad. And yeah. they got blown out and had one of the worst offensive performances in the history of the sport. Yes. And the worst offensive performance the passing year. the ball in 20 years. It's yep. absolutely incredible. And there's they, just no way you can spin this to me that it's headed in the right way. They they played like they had Ryan Leaf at quarterback. Ryan Leaf, rookie year at quarterback. Like, actually, statistically, which is just in the, 24 years later. Like I mean, it's just insane to, to be at that level. And honestly, say, like, oh, it's process. Oh, it's this. What process? Like, in the exact, I think they, just having Glennon as your backup quarterback is all you need to know. It, it's just like, it's like, that is they, what they think is good process. Oh, this guy's been a vet in the league. Oh, he's he got he signed you know, but it's no actual like research 
or hard work going into like, oh, no, we actually have a guy that can win us a game and maybe have some excitement with there, too. It's like, no, this guy's been in the league. You know, he's an NFL quarterback. That's in their head. They Like you said, they tell themselves that story. Jason Garrett. That's exactly Jason it. Garrett is the exact Jason same Garrett. thing. He's an, exactly. another perfect example. It's like, oh, this will bring us stability. This is the, He's been here before. We can lean on this. NFC it's, East. It's <laughs> totally unimaginative, and it's brought yeah. them to this place. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to pump the brakes here. Pump your brakes, kid. Every so often, we like to throw out thought, take, whatever, and ask. I'd like to ask you for. I'm going a little bit too far. If I should pump the brakes or not. Watching that game today, I think that Matthew Stafford is going to end up dooming the Rams in the playoffs. I think so too. I, I can't get over it now because this is when we they made the trade. Okay. We did a pod. Remember, we I think we did an emergency pod, and yeah. we, were, we were talking about it. It was the day I got to Tampa for the Super Bowl. We did it that. That's night. right. That's right. Oh my god, that was Super Bowl week. Oh my god, this is almost a year. Almost a year ago. Okay, so it. But that honestly was we talked about what Stafford is, and you're grading to the flash with him. It's those hero ball throws, and that we would always say, but you have the some inconsistencies. Those three to four to five plays. Where he just doesn't, he does something stupid or he, he tries to squeeze one in there when he shouldn't. And it's like, okay, you're hoping that it gets better with a better situation. And it's like, you know, a leopard doesn't really change his spots because <laughs> that's, that's what kind of what you see. It just, I think the in between plays have gotten better and the big, big plays have gotten better. But it's still those two, three, four, five plays that it's like, what are you doing? Like, stop it. And honestly, I, I, I've now compared him. I think this, I finally figured out what he is. He's white chocolate, Jason Williams, where you can't just throw a normal pass. Everything has to be a trick shot for him. Like that is that is what he is. And Which I, I, I can I, understand. I've come to accept it. <laughs> I can understand how you would get intoxicated by that, right? Oh, yeah. It, 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 you watch the talent and you watch some of the throws that he can make and you think to yourself, this is the type of quarterback we did not have before. Think about what our offense can look like with this quarterback. And then you mm. watch what they were over the first six to eight weeks of the season. It's and that's exactly incredible. what it was. They're allowed to play this dropback game where the ambition associated with their passing game is completely different than it looks like did it, it was with Jared Goff. Yes. And the results were there. They were the most efficient offense in football oh, yeah. for that stretch. And there's probably a conversation to be had about the tail off that the Rams offenses have had under McVay during his time as their head mm-hmm. coach. It has happened consistently. But that doesn't change the fact that the decision making has gotten progressively worse on Stafford's side of this. You know that nine of his 15 interceptions this year have come inside the Rams' own 30-yard line. I'm so glad you looked that up because it just—it feels like so many of them where they're backed up and it's like another team scores and now they're down 14. It's four pick sixes. And the one today is just – I just don't understand it at all. I mean, the one – it's uh, it's a stick play and he is throwing it to the inside guy and Chuck Clark just falls right off of it because he knew exactly what was happening. And yep. I don't understand how you possibly throw that ball in that moment. The one he threw down the field, whatever. I mean, yeah. that that happens, right? You're going to take a it's shot. It's punt. It, yeah. It's you're, you're taking a shot. That the one today. I mean, they're just the couple of the ones against the Vikings were very similar. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that even if when it looks good, it looks great with their offense. Mm-hmm. We know that it, it is so fun to watch. It is beautiful when it's clicking because that's what he is. He's a beautiful quarterback he when is. things look the way that they're supposed to, but. These just brain fart moments, I just have no faith in their ability to consistently perform offensively. 
I feel like every single thing they do, even if it's three steps forward, the two steps back that they're going to take are ultimately going to doom them against a really good team. You appreciate that he can, and this is, he is a huge step up from Goff. Like what's, what's, I want to clarify that. He is a huge step. They paid a big price for it, but it is a, he is a two tiers better. But that's the thing is he brings to the table is he can attack all areas of the field. That is why you bring in a Matthew Stafford. All five options, all five eligibles are a valid weapon on every play. But the thing is when he can't get to number two sometimes because he's locked in on the number one, like that stick play. And I'm not sure if Skarsgård or OBJ messed up there. I'm guessing it's Skarsgård, but it, it, someone busted on that play. I, I can't call him by his real name now. No, you I, shouldn't. I, I almost tweeted it and I was like, no one's going to, only like five people. I still people don't even know what it is because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the other Skarsgård brother. But like one of them busts on that, but that's a stick play. Obviously the Rams run stick 500 million times. Adjust to number two. Like that, that guy bites in on it. Just reset. You have plenty of arm talent. You can do it. Trust me. I used to be able to do it. He should be able to do this. <laughs> Readjust and throw the number two on that. And he's like a, like, he's like a knockout haymaker puncher. Like, like that's what he is. It's, he's going to get knocked the fuck out sometimes because he makes a mistake and doesn't keep his hands up. Like he puts his hands down because he's throwing punches one after another, one after another. And sometimes he gets caught and the whole Rams team basically has to withstand that. It's like, all right, how strong our chin this game? Cause we're going to take three blows because Stafford's going to do it. We're going to hit, we're going to hit five haymakers right into their chin, but we're going to take three. How, like how bad are those three going to be? That's really what he kind of feels like all the time, but it's man, it's, it's frustrating. Cause it's just like, just be normal for a whole game. Be like, cause when it is like the bears game week one, it was like, holy shit. Like this there offense, were plenty of those games early the on fireworks. in the season where there were the, just nothing Every but drive. fireworks. Every the problem drive. is you get, you get sucked into the fireworks yep. because it's like, oh man, look what they can be. But no. look at it. Just look at the history of football and what it looks like when you turn the ball over multiple times, you can't it's, win. It's so I mean, hard. it's, you cannot win when you turn the ball yeah. over multiple times, especially in the playoffs. And eventually, guess who's going to have the number one seed in the NFC? You're going to have to go to Green Bay. Guess what they don't do? He is not going to give you one. And that's the problem is that Mm -hmm. when you get into these games, even if you want to be intoxicated by what it looks like when it's clicking on all cylinders, if you have one of those moments against a team like the Packers who's not going to give you one of their own, that can be enough. That can be enough when you get to the playoffs, and that that just concerns me. Even if I still have a lot of faith in what their offense can yep. look like, that is just going to be sitting there in the back of my mind because he's done it so often lately that I have no reason to think it's not going to continue. Exactly. And if this was like the first half you've shown this and the second half it was more, you know, if they flipped the halves, basically, it'd be like, oh, man, they look, they look scary now. But it's just... They could get hot. Like, don't get me wrong. No team, when they look they hot. They absolutely like, could. They could. Like, this guy could go on a four-week freaking inferno fest and just like, oh, my God, look at this. Joe Flacco did at some Joe point. Flacco Matthew Stafford definitely has with the capability. The wor- <laughs> with the worst offense. I know. So, it's like, you. this team, like, when they look good, it looks – I mean, it's one of the best offenses to watch. Like, just period. But that's the thing is, like, like oh, man, that turnover point such a great point because you play the Packers – with their defense and with Aaron Rodgers, it's that he's not going to go trade you a turnover. You have a turnover, they're going to be plus one by the end of the game, that turnover differential, and you just traded a possession with them. And that's like a, that's the worst thing you do against that boa constrictor of a team. Like That's just what they'll do to you. And I know, but it's like they have to they have to withstand his, his bonehead shit plays. Otherwise, because it's just 
there's not enough proof in the pudding that he can do it for 60 minutes for 60 plus plays. Like he's going to have two in or multiple three. games in a row. That, that's the thing. This team went all in, right? This yep. team, this oh, was yeah. their moment. This was yep. their year their window. And in order to get there, in order to finish that off, you need to win multiple playoff games. Yep. And I think right now with the decision-making process we've seen from him recently, that's going to be difficult for them to do. They absolutely have the capability, yes, right? Like we've seen what that offense looks like at its height, but it's hard for me to ignore this voice in the back of my head that says that he's just going to give him too many. He's going to give away too many in the playoffs. And it really does feel like that. All right. We're going to hand out the belt. Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous six time champs and feel the power. <laughs> what is that? I, I, I'm trying to, who was that? Kent, tell me again. Was that, is that the new day? Yeah, it's New Day. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. New Day is incredible. It's, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. There's only one way. We can, there's only, I, I'm, I never know how to process any of those. All right. There's only one way we can go with this. It's Jamar Chase. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it Duh. broke uh, Justin Jefferson's re- receiving yards record for a rookie today. Did it in 16 games. It has a chance to break the all time record, that, including the non Super Bowl era. I mean, what that guy did today, again, we, we, we touched on so many of the different things, but it's just the different ways he can affect the game. And, you know, there was a lull in the middle of the season where he wasn't necessarily dominating games. But today is a reminder of just how many ways he can hurt you with the ball in his hands. I mean, obviously, the first Yak touchdown is crazy. Yeah. And just, again, the, the hesitation, the acceleration, the body control and the strength on the second one. You know, to be able to twist in the air while creating that last little bit of separation with that off arm in a way that it's so easy, the strength that he doesn't have to really push off. Like he just makes it look so fluid and then making that play and just overall the body control with getting the feet inbounds and then the screens today, like just those little tiny plays where he turns a one yard gain into a 10 yard gain. So casually the way he moves and the way he can kind of change speeds and just overall how he can control his speed compared to other guys on the field, whether it's in the air, accelerating, all of those different things. He just moves differently. He's a really special player. He, he is. I My big thing with him when he was coming out was, of course, okay, separation with the short arms and everything. But it was also... Okay, how is his yak ability? Like, how is he a yards after the catch? Because so much of his stuff was like, oh, he was just body control touchdowns and, and you know, maybe a dig across the middle, like all that, or glances, a lot of glances, contested glances, because so, they would run this duo RPO out of, out of the gun all the time. And I, it's unbelievable. I think what you said with changing the speeds, that is, it's his body control. It, it's this rare, extremely rare. I mean, I'm even throwing up there. Like, I don't know if that, that's grammatically correct, but it's just like this so this rare trait that he could just at all times contort his body to what he needs it to do. While still being explosive while while still being able to attack you vertically, which is the crazy part about it. We've seen guys go side to side before. Yes. And that's what it was. I, my, my knock against him was like, Oh, he doesn't make guys miss in a phone booth. And it was like, cause he doesn't need to, cause he tempos his runs like a running back where it's just like, it's like a guy planting his foot and hitting the hole. Like when notice all the times he contorts his body on those back shoulders or, on the contested catches on all the go balls and stuff, he never falls down. Like it's not like he catches oh, it's incredible. 
he just keeps his feet and he's holding the ball up like la 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 la, and it's just like what the like, and he does it every single time. It's just different. And he just moves differently. He does. I mean, and, and it's, and I, it's strong and just and so much more. I mean, he's just he's a great player. He's incredible. I, I I like I really liked him going in the process, but he's just been even more like. Of course, I famously had Bateman over him, but it was just like it was just he has just done so much. Like every time he the ball goes his way or he gets a ball in his hands, it could be a touchdown. That's exactly what we want in a receiver. And then it's on not top just of it, that. The fact that he's going up and band. making these yes. 50-50 catches too, like that's the thing. It's on so many different levels. And yeah. you know, it's congratulations to, to yeah. the Bengals for the way that they've done this, right? And yeah. it I think that they have defined weaknesses that may hurt them against yeah. a team like the Chiefs again in the playoffs or over the course of a playoff run. I don't know if that line can hold up when it comes to winning a Super Bowl in 2021. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> You're not going to be mad drafting a future all pro. Yes. Like you, you'll yeah, never I mean, be mad. Right about now, it. they have a yearly potential top five quarterback, the most exciting young receiver in the league, him and Justin Jefferson, who played on the same fucking team in college, which Insane. is wild. They have, With that quarterback. They have Burrow. They have Burrow. <laughs> they have Chase. T. Higgins is such Great. a nice 1B receiver. Tyler Boyd still does all these really nice yep. things. They the, What they have. It is really, really exciting. Like is. this is one of those moments where if you are a Bengals fan and what you've endured over the last couple decades and how awful that's been at times and just wondering, are we just destined to be this also ran franchise that gets overshadowed by teams like the Ravens, teams like the Steelers? Are we ever going to be one of the teams in the NFL? And now you have a chance. Now you have a real chance because of the guy playing quarterback, the guy he's throwing the ball to, and the other pieces that you've put around him. Again, who knows what next offseason is going to look like? Who knows how it's going to go from here if they do the right things to finish this thing off over time? But I would be, I would just have this grin on my face if I were a Bengals fan because of what that connection between those two guys looks like and what it could ultimately mean for them. Yes, it's on another level. And that's what's so cool because they get to see it probably for the next decade. It's not going to go away. It's not like, oh, wow, this is Burrow's going to retire. Wow. <laughs> it's, this, it's is why, this is why it's incredible. You, you root for an NFL team. It, yeah. This is why you endure all the shit and why you endure all of those moments where you wonder if you're ever going to get there. Because if when you do, when you have this, this is the sweetest thing. And they should oh. enjoy it because they're going to the playoffs. They won the AFC North. And they have two of the most exciting young players in the league period on their team for a while now yeah. all right that's all we got guys please remember send in your mailbag questions by 1 p.m eastern you can call us and leave a voicemail which we'd love at 872-222-7073 give me and mitch a call you can also send us a voice or excuse me send us an email at athletic football show at gmail.com we'll be back on tuesday with a mailbag show with mitch until then appreciate you guys listening We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.